Welcome listeners to this week's Behind the Scenes with Latinx Lit Audio Mag. I'm your host, Teresa Douglas, and today is a very special day. We're having Tech Exinger on for her second time on the podcast, and she has a book out today. Um, we're going to talk all about it. It's going to be wonderful. Um, but before we do that, for those of you that have not had the pleasure of listening to the first interview, Tech Exinger is an American Swiss poet and artist with a Colombian background. Her poetry has been featured in Bien Acompañada from Cornell University, The Muse from McMaster University, River and South Review, The Welter, and more. Her debut chapbook, Found Between the Trees, was published by Grey Border Books, Canada, 2019. Erzinger's most recent poetry collection, At the Foot of the Mountain, Floricanto Press, California 2021, has been announced by the University of Indianapolis Etchings Press as the Whirling Prize winner for 2021 for Best Nature Poetry Book. Her first audio drama, Stella's Constellation, was produced by Alternative Stories and Fake Realities Podcasts out of the UK. Tag, I am so excited to have you on. How are you? I'm great, Teresa, and I'm so happy to be back and to have to be able to speak to you again. This is just so exciting to share this with you. And um, you know, on the on the eve of my forthcoming book. So thank you very much. It is. It's 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 book birthday time. I, uh, here we are, and and I have to say, I just I love your work. I love your poems. And Latino Book Review had some very nice things to say about the delicacy of your language and the way you you accompany and, and bring the reader along. And uh, I, I have to say, having read a couple of these poems, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I love the work, and I would I would love to talk about it, but. Of course, as you know from our last conversation, we, we start with a food question. And although we do know your ultimate comfort food, we're getting into spring now. And I would love to know in the springtime, what is your favorite comfort food? Hi, well, muchísimas gracias. Thank you for the compliments <laughs> for everything that you said. It's so exciting. Um, I think my ultimate comfort food is, even in spring, I mean, it can have any time of the year, but it's good in spring, is arroz con pollo. It's just mm -hmm. chicken and rice, something from Colombia. Uh, you add uh, saffron to it. It has olives, uh, carrot and pea, yeah, carrot and peas, garlic, mm -hmm. cumino, cilantro, and it goes great with a big old green salad. It's delicious. So good. So good. And it's foundational food. Like you can eat that when you're happy. You can eat that when you're sad. You can bring it to someone who's sick. You can mm -hmm. bring it to a celebration. It's just, it's it's a it's a beautiful food to eat. So, so thank you. <laughs> exactly. And you can even have it for breakfast. It's a great breakfast food as well. Breakfast for champions. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. I'm sorry, listeners, if you're hungry now, but um, yeah, it's good. Maybe you need maybe you need to get yourself a bowl. Um, let, let's talk about your your poetry. Like the, the, you, you turned in a couple of gave me a couple of poems here. So the first poem I, I really would love to talk about is Lenguaje Resonante, Echoing Language. It's beautiful because the way that you sort of interposed the 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 different language here and, and talked about how when I began to speak I parroted mariposas instead of butterflies and then and then this goes away but then it, it comes back again let's let's talk about this piece how what what was sort of the the spark the the original idea that that you had and and how did you go about writing this 
I think, well, as we once talked in our last um, interview, I expatriated to Switzerland 21 years ago. And I can't, it's been so long, I can't believe it. But, um, and so being here, it's like, may, I've now become a Swiss citizen and everything. My husband is Swiss. But it's made me really reflect on, or anybody that does this, who I am, where I come from, my background. And it's very interesting how quite often people, when you look a little bit different or you're of a mixed origin, mm-hmm. people want to impose their ideals on you. I, a lot of times people say to me, it started in the States, it happens here with my accent, my, my when I speak German, or not, not so much when I speak Spanish, but where are you from? Like, mm-hmm. where do you come from? And then being here, since I've been here, I was very close to my abuelita, my grandmother, and she she only spoke Spanish to me. She passed away um, a little while ago, and we were very close. And so now, like, the, at first, my very first language from, like, zero to fourth grade that was the predominant, my mother's tongue was Spanish, mm-hmm. but more probably – more Spanglish, but Spanish, definitely. It kind of started Spanish and then it went into Spanglish. And then around fourth grade, I didn't want to speak Spanish anymore. I really was rebelling against it um, with with my mom and my family. I said, no, I'm American. I just want to speak English. And so fast forward all these years later, I'm still, it's still there. And when I meet someone or I hear Spanish, I can go into it a bit clumsily. It takes me time to warm up, but Mm -hmm. it's still in me. It's like saved in my cells. And so the inspiration for this poem was like, it was cold, it was winter time, but I was missing, I, grew up between Florida and Kentucky, and I was missing the warmth of the South, the warmth not only from the climate, but from the people, thinking about mm. here I am all these years later, but I'm still me. I still have this language inside of me. And where do I go with it? What do I do with it? It's it's like, it's it's a it's a part of me. It's, it's, it's saved in my brain. So I started toying with the idea of like, um, I was thinking about butterflies and about how each each one of us, when, when I say the word butterfly, you probably have a certain image that comes in your head. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be a monarch. Who knows what it looks like? But when I say butterfly, I see something different. And it's like that with language as well. We all speak these languages, but the meaning and the way we see it in our relationship to the words is different. And so my earliest relationship with words was Spanish. And where has that gone? And, you know, butterflies have such sort of fleeting lives. It's there and then it's gone the next moment. So that was really kind of the inspiration for this poem. This this is beautiful. And I I love that. I I once attended a a Spanish language class in an effort to bring the Spanish up out of the depths of my brain, because in some ways I had Spanglish growing up. And the the professor said something that I, I will never forget. And he said, we... What we really need for for people like you is that we have so many people who who grew up around a language and they didn't really speak it, but it's there. We really need different classes mm-hmm. because it's it's there. It's it's less about teaching you something, but but drawing it up from the depths. And I love your imagery here and how you're talking about the the you know the foundational parts of you where where that that was your language. It is your mother tongue, and and comparing that to these these fleeting butterflies. And even as as you're speaking, and I'm I'm looking at this poem, and it's just uh, the way that you can finally condense that that lived experience into this metaphor with the butterflies and and the spring and, and having been landlocked in winter. 
but then it's it's all bled together now into a spring day uh, migrating I've returned and and I just love that because not only are you describing this feeling of of bringing it back but also sort of returning to yourself which I love Thank you. Yeah, you've got it. That's exactly what it is. And it's just, and it's, you know, we don't wear our, not all of us wear our culture on our skin or in our Mm -hmm. face. We do, but we don't. So not everyone can see where it comes from or what it is. And I guess that's just me trying to like (laughs) express it somehow that lost, like an artifact almost that we have inside of ourselves that, um, you know, they say that like from when you're born until you're about nine years old, those experiences, they really uh, lay the foundation for the rest of your life. And sometimes mm-hmm. we lose touch of those things, but they're still there. You're still that kid. You're still those experiences. And they can, I guess I wanted to sort of, uh, you know, confront that, I suppose, with this poem. And, and you ended on such a, I, I don't want to say ambivalently hopeful note, but but it is. It's that, that idea of you say, and echo words under my skin, slowly misplaced phrases return, softly revealing their delicate wings. And, and to me, like the first flash of that is this beautifully hopeful thing, but mm-hmm. they're delicate too. It's, it's fragile. So, so it's, it's something to be, to be nurtured, to be protected in some ways because it is delicate but it's also it's spring and it's hope and yeah I, I, I just love the way that you you balance all of these things in this very um, beautiful turn of phrase thank you thank you for that yes <laughs> I mean the the thing that I love too is the way you are is melding nature with with the personal and I think that comes out really well especially in Amplexus I believe I said that right yes you did okay (laughs) Uh, I I do know how to read it's just sometimes a look at this and the caffeine's not running Um, (laughs) and and I love the way this this starts because you're, you're again you're walking walking the reader into into this moment that, that happened before you were there and just envisioning these these frogs and the, the moon above with the rivulets of light and then the the eggs that are that are waiting sort of as, as a promise and and I would love I would love to hear because then you you bring in the personal and you're talking about these these translucent eggs but then we are barren no part of us to be left behind we will hold on to each other anyway. Time against flesh, it's universal, and and I I love again the way you entwine the the nature with the personal with 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 humanity, and I would love to hear about the the what was the spark that that caused you to write this, and and how how did the process go? Well, I am a avid walker. I walk a lot, and I'm I used to be quite a city girl. I went to school in Boston. I met my husband who's Swiss in Baltimore. But as light, and we lived close to the city here in Switzerland for many years. But since we've kind of retreated into a more rural life, we've sought mm-hmm. out a more rural life. And part of my weekly routine is to go into the forest, like, you know, anywhere from three to four times a week. And I, like I said, I just moved recently, but we also moved to another rural area. And there's a particular pond that would be on my path that I would go by. And it's just so fascinating to watch. I've taken so many pictures of it because 
every season it's different. You know, you've mm-hmm. got the winter, the ice, you've got the spring, the frog eggs, you know, the frogs, the frog eggs. So that actually was from real experience, me going by and getting excited and seeing the little pearly frog eggs in the pond. And it's very interesting where I used to live recently, the farm across the street, it's a, quite a thing in Switzerland. They, um, it sees at the season mating season for the frogs, they have signs that they put up like for careful on the traffic, like, uh-huh. you know, frog crossing. And they actually put sp- specific nets up to help them and collect them and be able to get them over to the pond across the street. It's a country road, but still oh, cool. it's, it's really neat. So I would go looking for those, those pearly um, eggs and they fascinated me. And also I would get upset because sometimes you would see that a whole bunch would have disappeared yeah. probably from ducks or snakes or whatever. But that was my inspiration. And the other thing, the more, uh, the heavier side of it is that, um, you know, we, my husband and I were confronted with um, involuntary childlessness. Unfortunately, it was um, we haven't we weren't able to have children, and it's something that I've come to terms with both of us because we've been married a long time. But um, I would say from you know I'm I'm in my my late 40s now, but in my 30s, the, the whole decade of 30 to 40 was just really difficult trying to figure out what we were going to do, how are we going to do it, um, you know, with, um, uh, I'm thinking in German, I have to say the word in English, IVF, yeah, the word was coming to me, yeah, IVF, or also going through some of that, doing some of that, and then also uh, starting the process of adoption. It was just a decade of very difficult timing, uh, not timing, time for us, and um I, it took me a long time to be able to come to terms with it. And now I'm able to actually write about it. So watching nature, like the way in which these frogs come together and imagining them and then walking every day or, you know, most days by the, the pond and, and getting, you know, throughout the years to see their eggs. It just I, I, it inspired this idea um, and a way, I guess, to just sort of confront it, really, to be able to confront it in an artistic way and uh, to say, hey, you know, that's it. it this is stops with me. We're, we're, it's, we're to, and I think a lot of couples, I mean, it's a heavy topic, but if you, it can really make or break a couple. And yeah. it was very difficult and painful for us, but we decided, you know, hey, we chose each other. We fell in love with each other with the hopes of this. Unfortunately, this is not our destiny. And there just came a point where we said, okay, you know what? It's just going to be the two of us. But we keep saying yes. You know, we keep going mm-hmm. even though. And I think that's that was the real – so it's a little bit – it's 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 a sad poem, I think. But it's also – it's it's kind of confronting nature. I think as human beings, we quite often think that we're above nature. And in, we we're have not. all this – No, we're not. You're exactly <laughs> right. Like, And we're not and, – and, it's kind of like, I hate to say it so in a cliche sort of way, but it's sort of the luck of the draw. And, you know, you have to also, for me, I guess, being very into nature and my beliefs with nature and living close to it, for the two of us, we finally had to say, you know what, it's enough now. We're just going to go with what nature has given us and we're just going to keep going, but just the two of us, I, if that makes sense. Yeah. It, it- it's it's a it is and and yes it's a heavy topic but it's also i i think framed well like the very end cyclical persistent we fade away and it's it's the great circle of life mm-hmm. 
and and this idea of persistence even even in that again i i find i mean hopeful can be sad also at the same time and and i think you do such a lovely job of of contextualizing humans as just another just another animal among many mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's lovely but I, I think i cut you off you're about to say something oh i don't remember Teresa. no i i don't yeah i think it is it is well about the whole back to the whole nature versus nurture or i don't know like the way we i think it's wonderful the technology and the things we have and i have some friends that have um been very successful with ivf and it's but it's it's also taking its toll on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not been easy. And I can't say for myself that we went through, we only did a little bit of that. Like we didn't take it to an extreme because I was also concerned about some things with my health and and, and our life and just not to go too deep into that. So I think what I was trying to say is that like, we decided for us that this was our fate with through Nate, mm-hmm. this was the natural procession of things with us and it's very sad it's very difficult especially if you have hopes and you want to have a family but there's different ways of defining family i mean my husband and i are a family we're the two of us but we're still a a family we don't have the kids and sometimes it's very hard for people to like um to, to swallow in a way like oh it's just the two of you well yes it's just the two of us but we are in for all intents and purposes also a family and i think that's very prevalent in tourists too it's sort of like um this whole idea of what it means i mean it's it's very it's not it doesn't smack you in the face but i think there's sort of a common thread about that throughout tourists this new collection that's coming out and dealing with this involuntary uh childlessness as well like finally for me to be able to sit down with these poems and like confront it without it being um something that like rips me apart yeah, and and thank you for sharing that. And, and I will just make the the observation that uh, people in general can have assumptions of having children, and and can be a little a little too um, the questions can be a little too penetrating. It's not really anybody's business on whether or not someone has children or not. Um, especially if you're Hispanic, it can be hard. I would say because the 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 stereotype thinking is, of course, you're going to have. A big family, and it's and if you don't, you need to explain to us uh, why, at any time, at the drop of a hat. So, uh, for for any of those listening, let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I think it's just we have to be a little. We shouldn't be afraid to talk, act, ask people. I think, but we should also be aware that not everybody's path is the same. And I mean, we don't always know what's under the, like with the, 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 the eggs, the translucent eggs under the surface of the water, what's going on under there, what's beneath the surface. We don't know what's happening beneath the surface, what the reason is. Yeah. Exactly. Now I, I didn't ask, and I'm going to ask now is uh, when, when someone reads this, is there, is there something you would like them to, to walk away with? Um, from from after they've read this poem? Well, I mean, it could be interpreted in many different ways. I, obviously, I hope that my poetry or any poetry can be um, that the reader takes home what they need from it. Like, I mm-hmm. hope that it can uh, elicit that they want to read it again and again and that they maybe want to come back to it and, and think about it. I think it's just... 
yeah, making observations through nature and, and where our place is, our destiny, and that we're all here for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And some of us will leave something behind, like the, the eggs from the frogs, and some of us won't maybe or maybe we will leave maybe we're going to leave something behind that's not different things in a human form maybe it's going to be a painting or um the way we nurture a niece or a nephew or i don't mm-hmm. know or, or uh writing a gar you know a tree that we've planted i just think that's just the reflection of of uh the kind of it's sort of like looking at the meaning of life i suppose this poem and and we are but a tourist in it, and 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 this, I, I'm I don't often segue really well, so I'm very happy that I can I can take this as a wonderful segue, to to the book that that these two poems are housed in in general. Um, it, it's magnificent that that this book is coming out, and and you have have many nature poems that bring in bring in the personal, and I, I would love to hear. So first of all, listeners, um, please, please go get a copy. Tuck is not going to say that, but I'm going to. Um, I'm going to be like everybody's grandma and showing the photos. Uh, this is great and you should buy it. Um, and I would love I would love for you to talk a little bit about sort of the arc because putting putting together a book of poetry is is greater than the, the sum of its parts. And I would love for you to, to talk to us a little bit about were these poems that you wrote all in a specific time period and you were thinking of putting them together or did they just sort of appear and you said hey there's an arc here how did how did that happen well I had this image actually very early on I was had this collection of poems that were growing that I had written over during the pandemic or started mm-hmm. like it let's say in at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I write anyway, I write a lot and frequently, but I had wanted to come up with a new collection and I had come across this, um, it's in the beginning of my book, this wonderful quote, it's an Aboriginal quote, and it really, I, it struck me and it was sort of sort of inspiration and I would like to share it with you. We are all visitors to this time, this place. We are just passing through Our purpose here is to observe, to learn, to grow, to love, and then return home. Australian Aboriginal proverb. So I had come across this quote and I was like, yeah, that exactly encompasses what I want to do with this poetry book. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of tourists, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's a journey. It's, of course, a personal journey, but I think that many people could take away a lot of different things and relate to their own journey here, let's say on earth. It's like a voyage spanning multiple cultures and life stages. That's what Tourist This Book is about. I mean, when you read this collection, I wrote poems where revelations were made in the middle of the night, during the pandemic, um, when I was walking in the heart of the forest, uh, when I was at the seaside, and also there's poems that are inspired by food. And no, all of those will be my favorite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so uh, all of these poems and tourists are kind of a snapshot of both past and present coming together. That's beautiful. And and let's let's tell folks where where can they get a copy of tourists. 
there's a couple places. One is it, my publisher is called Seacrow Pressed. They're out of Barnstable, Massachusetts, and they have Seacrow Press Shop. That'll be soon um, online for pre-orders. And the other place will be also at Amazon. There'll be some others, but those are the two main ones that I can that I know of right now. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's lovely. And and again, folks, um, I can tell you right now, tax work is beautiful. You you've heard these two poems. Um, if you go back in time and look at her her other piece that was that is more memoir style prose, um, you'll see that it's it, it's it's beautiful. And and I for one um, think we need to get these poems out into the world. Um, thank you, thank you for sharing them with our, our listeners here, and thanks for coming on the show. Teresa, it's always a pleasure, and I'm so happy that um, we could sit down and talk, and that we could uh, that you support me in this book. It means a lot. I'm we really have to happy. Support each other. Yes, we do. Absolutely. 